Welcome to the Daiku Podcast. I'm Gary Snow. Today we're joined by Guax, who is a Brazilian tabletop role-playing game designer who has been developing some very interesting minimalist games since coming onto the scene. Last March, Guax hosted the first ever LATAM Game Jam on Itch with some of his fellow Latinx designers. Today I'm talking with Guax to learn how he entered the RPG industry and to discuss some of his work. Guax, welcome. As I'm just glad to be here. Thanks everybody that is listening. So yeah, it's about it. I'm doing weird little games and apparently doing jams also. Well, let's just jump right in. I'm curious, how did you get started in tabletop role-playing games and how was your journey into this world? So uh, I, I think that's very interesting because uh, often uh, I get questioning that, but it's pretty different from who is questioning because this the scene is a start very different in each country. And on Brazil is pretty peculiar. Also, um, I'm I'm not that I'm not that old. I actually picked the scene like what everything was already already done. Um, I'm 20 years old, but my brother he's 17 years older than me, and he started playing uh, way before me, like way before me, like when when he was a kid into uh, teenage years and stuff like that. But about the time that I was um, like my nine, ten years, he was like, I think, I think I should introduce you to tabletop RPG. And then I got introduced with a game called RPG Quest that was released only in Brazil. And it was just a, a very simple game with uh, I think it was more like a, a board game about dungeon crawling than uh, an RPG, the, the the rule set that was given to me. And I was very interested because I really like uh, the whole fantasy aesthetic. I've seen my brother playing, but I never really get that much into the game. I did not play with him. With him. And about some, some time after it, uh, when I was on my early teenage years, my brother, uh, he got off my mom's house and got to live by himself. And he was like, Okay, I'm not that into tabletop RPG anymore. He was way more, he's, he's a board game guy. He, he designs board games also. He's a co-author of Grasse, of uh, Overdrive, and some board games that earned some premiation. I think uh, Grasse is going to be released uh, in the uh, North America, I think, but I'm not sure. And um, so he gave me like a whole like huge pie of tabletop RPG because he was buying stuff and reading but not playing actually. Is is Dungeons and Dragons as big in Brazil or is there yeah, its, its own flavor? Okay. So yeah, there's a thing. Um, there's 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 a couple of things actually. So in Brazil, uh, we didn't get like BX box set. We get like a, a back in the basic box set. I think that we call it the Black Box D&D uh, of Grow, that is the, the company that published it here. I even got a copy of the manual. That was one of the books that I played the most while growing up, even if it was not about my uh, was not a thing of, of my time when I was a teenager and a kid. The thing that people were playing were, was 3.5 or 3.0, and everybody was playing that. And, but Brazil also got to, like early, early years of tabletop RPG, got Tagma, which was a, a tabletop RPG, a fantasy tabletop RPG that was 
really crunchy, really was more on the roots of uh, Roland, uh, Roland Master and stuff like that. And the GURPS is pretty, was pretty big here. I do not listen that much often about it, but it was, was, a, was a pretty big thing. You can still find like very often GURPS resources around here on music bookstores and stuff like that. And it's always a nice deal because GURPS books got so much flavor on them and so much research to make them. So anyway, back, back on track. I got a big pile of tabletop RPG and there was 3.5 player's handbook that was Tray of Cthulhu, that was some GURPS books, that was, oh, there was so much stuff. There were some some uh, exclusively Brazilian books that were so cool. So one of them I hold very dear to my heart. I never played it actually, but it's just so cool. It, it, it is, I think the closest thing that I got to Traveler games in Brazil that's called Millennia. And it's just a sci-fi book that's so weird because the playable races are so interesting. Like you can play with like a, a not carbon-based life form that's like a, a, a jellyfish in the space and has connective, uh, connected uh, consciousness and stuff like that. Just that kind of book that you open and you, you got read it and it was like, this sounds too complicated for me. <laughs> that have like, I don't know, 14 years old and I'm like yeah. ADHD and dyslexic and I'm like looking at the picture and thinking, but that that sounds rad, that, that sounds pretty fucking cool. And so yeah, I, I grew up uh, with these like huge fucking pile of books, but I did not play them exactly because as I said, I have a lot of difficulty in reading them and explaining the rules was even harder to me. And as I had the books and uh, I, I'll get to that later, but as I was the person with the books, I needed to explain. Most of people didn't know what tabletop RPG was like because you know that it had the, the satanic panic on mm -hmm. North America and stuff like that. Yeah. That that hit Brazil like ten years later. So we had like satanic panic in the nineties here, yeah. and we are we were still in this this weird period that D and D. Um, Principally, uh, mostly um, vampire games and stuff like that were like, no, we, we don't talk about it. This is like, this is your mom is gonna burn, like like mm -hmm. magic cards. You're gonna get, take out your magic cards and burn because Brazil is a very, very, very catholic yeah. country. So that hits pretty hard. Like, yeah. uh, it, it's funny because my, 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 par my parents are kind of uh, religious. My, my dad's really religious, but my mom, not that, that, that yeah. much. And my brother grew up uh, playing tabletop RPGs. So they were like, okay, we know about it. We know that's not that bad, but that, that vampire stuff right there, this, this sounds, this sounds evil. Too much. This, this, yeah, don't get near that. Also, don't listen to heavy metal. That's also pretty bad <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was pretty hard to teach people. So uh, at longer the years, I got like, more and more homebrew with my stuff like um i got uh, contact with other games like uh, other like brazil has a, a dd like game that is pretty strong also here that is tormenta and even releasing a, a, new, a newer version right here but it's really like the modern D kind of vibe and that was not ever my deal so what was easy back then what, what was easy when i was growing up to catch up and it was fighting fantasy. Like, 
the 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 game books, the 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 adventures. I got one like is is the, uh, on the, ta- the choose my the best. choose your the choose your yeah. own adventure even, books, and then they later on developed it to uh, the RPG yeah. version. Of yeah. It. yeah, I even got the the Brazilian version of uh, Temple of Doom. I think it's Temple of Doom, the name of the original yeah. one, but it was right here because I was playing today. Like it is just a habit that I got to green up. Like yeah. I don't know, and doesn't got nothing to do. I'm gonna play this kind of game, and it got like Dungeoneer and other stuff like that. That is like advanced fighting fantasy rule sets are really really easy, and that plus the the the, the core set of of uh, players handle because books like rpg books are like shit expensive i couldn't get them because they were really 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 expensive like if, if i found someone with like original book because most of people got like uh photocopies and stuff like that yeah. but um if i got someone if i knew someone with original book i, I was already thinking like oh this person must be very rich like <laughs> if you got miniatures that person was insane and my brother had like a lot of miniatures that he brought over time like really old um um miniatures that they, they break almost every time i got a bunch of me that i got like the heritage that when we stopped yeah. playing the top rpg and it was just insane like it was so hard this playing was so hard to play and and about the time like when i was in high school i was i was getting like more and more into gaming in general because my brother was getting a lot into game design a lot about board games i was playing a lot of board games with him like we got like a um uh, Till very recently, like, I don't know, 10 years back, we didn't have modern board games here also. Like, uh, at some point, someone b- uh, brought Katan, Katan, I don't yeah. know how to pronounce it. Uh, yeah. I just know it's Katan. Yeah. But Settlers of Katan. Yeah. And, and and my brother just got crazy with it. And we just started playing, like, like every week we got a new board game and we were playing. And about the time we were living next to each other in the same uh the same town and stuff like that so uh, in that time i also got really into tabletop rpg because of how board games in general like that was the thing and but it was very hard to play the games and i didn't know yet how to search for indie games so a friend of mine uh introduced me to fate and i was like oh that that's interesting but there was something uh, in Fate that it was still a bit too crunchy for me. So I went back a couple of steps and I went back to play uh, this Bakimi D&D. Because yeah. like, yeah, it's just like, I don't know, it's like 45 pages or something like that. I was like, no, th- this must be really easy, you know. There, and I read it like so many times back then. I didn't understand how the rules work, but I was like, well, they are attributes. Like I think you said in one of your episodes, like you're playing tackle. It was like it must be like eleven or something row, and you pass. Yeah. And it was like that that I played, and that's what like one of the, the one of the times that we had most fun playing, like being my high school friends, like because we didn't care about the rules. And that started the home brewing and love about the the game that that experience that people were like remembering oh oh you remember back in the 80s when you like we don't yeah. know the, how the, the rules work and we were playing like originally in the was yeah i had that but like 2010 like playing <laughs> on like i was like like we went back for, uh, after school going like to tabletop rpg store yeah. in the center of the city in the downtown area 
and people were like looking weird at, at us because we didn't want to play 3.5 or 4e that uh, was releasing about the time right here and we're like no we are playing like like this old scrapped book with um <laughs> like a silver tape on the side because we're like falling into pieces and i don't know how it got in my hands because my brother never had it he got like from a friend that friend was like i don't care you can keep it and but we had like so much fun at that time and after it i got contacted with um uh, power by the apocalypse and other stuff like i finished high school i i got into college but my college time didn't quite started so i had a friend that had he was the owner of a a, a hobby store like and he was selling all kinds of board games, card games and stuff. So I got like, can I work there? Can I kind of like, you don't need to real pay me. You can pay me like with products of the store that are not selling and stuff like that. I just don't got nothing to do right now for my life. Yeah. I, I really like all my friends are like, or going to college or like they went to another state of Brazil and mm-hmm. I'm like, who the fuck am I? And about the time I got working at a tabletop RPG store, and that when when shit got hard because I was playing RPG like three times a week, I was playing like a tormented table. I was uh, DMing every week like two times a week a tray of Cthulhu table. I was organizing championships. I was getting into war game like the forest that we can go into war game in Brazil is like fantasy f- flight games like um, X-wing, and X-wing was like starting in. I even played some locals and even thought about going to the nationals of Brazil about the time, but then second edition hit in. And at that time I was like really into board games, reading to war games, I was painting miniatures and listening to meta and traveling around playing championships and second edition hit in. And dude, I, I ex- to have an idea, that ships were so expensive in Brazil that I sold my whole collection and I brought a Nintendo Switch and a TV, like something like that. Like it was so fucking expensive. Yeah. And to to go uh, to second edition, I need to buy a, a, an extra conversion kit and more stuff. I was like, fuck that shit. I'm not going to pay it. Not, I, so I sold everything. I brought a Nintendo Switch. And I got like playing video games back when I, I had like a, a really hard stop on video games. And then uh, I got back to tabletop RPG because I was thinking, I don't want to play a game that kind of keeps me at a, a point that it like points a gun at my head, says buy more content. Like I still, I still like pretty much war games and, and board games and stuff, but I don't buy them. I just go to a friend that actually buys them and stuff like that and play. Uh, and tabletop RPG became a thing that I was more and more into. And more that you get into uh, tabletop RPG, more you get into the idea of designing your own tabletop RPG. I think that's a natural evolution of the hobby because tabletop RPG uh, is such a cool thing. Like, there's nothing like it because we already start thinking that it's a game that only happens in your collective imaginary space. It's not really something that is physical. It can be physical also, but... When you go to a um, tabletop RPG convention and the coolest thing ever, you, you go to a random group of people like in the, playing a game that you you play a lot and you you don't go and say, oh, there was a time that my cleric cast that three level spell. You go, 
that was a time that I turned I, I turn a, a leech and he, he was like <laughs> going to the other side. Like it, that was living memory. Story. Like, yeah, exactly. That's, that's, the, that's the thing that I was saying that the collective imaginative. And that's so cool. That's not just it. It's not just the role play. It's not just the, the experience that you're getting out of the game. You're also creating stuff all the time. That's um, like, there are people that I think they, they found more joy in preparing adventures and creating uh, content than even playing. And some solo games that I play around there, like uh, Radon, the Citadel, or uh, I don't know, it's kind of lacking uh, right now, but there, there are these games and these, these modules that help you create um, content like cities or maps or cultures. It's basically like gamifying, preparing a session, preparing a word. And so at some point, you're going to start wanting to create stuff, not just adventures, not stuff, but games. And I find that, that hits. I, yeah. I find like just reading the books. And as you said, like your brother passed along those books to you. And I don't know if I, in my collection of books, I probably half of them I've never played, but yeah. it's fun to dive into them. And I think a lot of people that like tabletop role-playing games and designing games like to see how it works together. They like to see how the world is built. And it's just a, a fascinating thing to them where it's, you get lost in the details and you get lost yeah. in the imagination, even as a solo game. Yeah, exactly. That's like it's so just reading it just sparks your mind with so much ideas and so much possibility. And that's I think that's the one of the coolest things about tabletop RPG. So and when did when did the flip happen or the switch happen where you said I'm gonna design my own games? Yeah, that, that's where I, I was trying to, to get to in my mind. So 2018. Uh, I got off X-Wing. Um, I got back into video games. I was playing like, I don't know, Breath of the Wild a lot. I don't know. I was just like having this rewind on my mind. And I was like, I really want to play something that's pretty easy. I was playing a lot of on shots because I got so little time back then. I was working like I was doing like an uh, internship on a company, but it was a really bad company to do internship. I was working too many hours. I was spending too much time outside home. I was like over the top with with uh, academic work to do. And I was like, when I play an RPG, I need to be fast. I need to be simple. And I need to be like, everybody need to get, I don't need to explain the rules. I give them the rules at the hand. And my first idea was, to make a very simplified version of Dungeon World, because I was playing a lot. The last thing that I, that I played a lot uh, at that time was Dungeon. I played a campaign with Perilous Wilds and stuff, and Perilous Wilds is something that I truly recommend to anyone interested in world in world building with your players during the game because it's such a good um, supplement. And I was my head was very fresh with that ideas that uh, I've been recently uh, connected. So I was trying to do like a rare, very similar, like Define Danger, for example, because I didn't know that kind of stuff existed or like Tiny Dungeons or something like that. And, but I was like, no, I want to do something that is generic that I can fit like any like simple team. So I created Minimum back in 2018. And I play tested it a lot. I, I remember that the first play test was a complete failure. failure 
because I was like, okay, we're gonna do uh, my, my whole idea is because I don't like combat so much. So I want to make the all the playtests to be these really weird teams and really stuff that people usually don't do with tabletop RPG. And my flip first playtest was a game about cooking. It's about a fantasy cookers on a fantasy world and they solved conflicts with culinary battles. And a player was like, that's that's not a game. This doesn't sound fun. You know what? I'm just gonna like go like, like the classic examples when you're running a game and there's a player that just like don't care about nothing yeah. would be rather doing anything else and he just and I, I just stopped like the middle of the session I was like come on guys if you don't want to play RPG don't come here and play RPG let's play board game video game or anything and I was very frustrated but I, I, I thought like something about it made him don't want to play and then I kind of went back and asked feedback for the people that are playing and left it even more. I uh, take it, took it to uh, some tabletop RPG events that were happening uh, at my town at the time. And I played test here, played test there. And then that was the point that I was talking to my partner. And they said, like, we need to make that manual to fit in a very small space because that makes very accessible. You're going to look at it is already a pretty small uh, menu. You're going to look at it and think that that should be pretty easy to read. And it was. And, and then uh, they sit it with me for a couple uh, of weeks and we did the design. And that was like we are treating like was a very big project. Like this is the shit. This is like the project of my life doing this game. That's like like just a minimalist <laughs> hack of fate. So if uh but it's not just a hack of fate. I'm I'm, I'm like getting down my, my game itself. But it was a game with like very simple mathematics with uh the there is a, a diegetic uh, aspect when creating a character because you don't create your character saying like you got uh X points or something uh and I points on something else is like my name is this. I like. Uh, I'm good at this, this, and this. But I, and I'm not good at this, 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 this. And the game works like you've got more um, uh, good stuff than bad stuff. You roll the advantage, so then it uses uh, huge dice, and so the neutral results counts as positive. And you've got more bad stuff uh, on it, it counts as negative. And the whole key to the game is that you can assign. Uh, is all these, these tags like work based on tags like you can assign like you got a broken arm and that's a tag that's a negative tag or you is you are inspired so you got a positive tag so um, at this point I was like okay this is a very small game but it's very cohesive it's pretty easy to learn and I released it for free I created a website uh, with help of my partner so it could be read online with like built it to be like the lightest, easiest website to access. We did, we, we even did um, UX research for that. We did questionnaires to get to random people like, oh, what, uh, like recording the interview and going like, oh, you could find that. Oh, you think, what you think about the colors, uh, who you would recommend the site and stuff like that. Yeah. And we got like this really roundup thing. And it really paid off because minimal, is still, I keep talking with like uh, Lucas Rolin and, and Bruno that 
we as game designers, we want our games to live without us. We want them to be played with people don't even caring who we are. I don't care if people know who I am. I really don't care. But if that person knows like, oh, minimal. Yeah, yeah, that game's pretty cool. I, I play a lot for my son and stuff like that. I was like, oh yeah, I am the game designer of that. And I, I don't even say, I just think about it. And that's pretty fucking awesome because the all culminated with a point that I'm going to a tabletop RPG event to play test uh, my second game that was Fingertips about the time. And I was playing also, I was getting to um, OSR. It was a year later, I think it was 2019 or something like that, or even before. And I was like, um, okay, cool. Let's like, talk about fingertips and play BX and like have fun, like doing OSR stuff and stuff like that. Like, and people were like, like the, were a professor that came with like a group of kids and, and he came directly to me and said, oh, I used your game in the classroom. Yeah, all these kids, they learned to play tabletop RPG with minimal. And I was like, holy shit, I did something that was bigger than as myself at this point and yeah, that's so well, that's very cool and i mean i think that's why a lot of designers get into this uh business yeah. is because they want to create they want to share their uh passion with other people and they want to bring people together which is always what i find about tabletop role-playing games is bringing people together and and i really like the way uh a lot of your games are very collaborative and uh, yeah. people working together, uh, less, you know, combat's obviously a piece of it, but more collaborative than a lot of games I've seen. And you mentioned fingertips. Can you maybe just fill us in on yeah. fingertips? Yeah. Fingertips is a pretty interesting project because I haven't got uh, um, my uh, therapist to do analysis on fingertips in order of my games about some, some time ago, and it was quite fun. But fingertips is an interesting game because I want to create a game with the with the weirdest mechanic that I could think of, like the weirdest uh, tool that I could think. So I, I was like, I was a job, I was in a job that I had like a lot of free time. And I was looking at my hand, <laughs> that, that's about it. I was like so fucking bored. I was just looking at my hand. I was like with, with a, a, a pen, like doing dots in my hand. I was thinking about, wait, I could use my hand as a, as a thing for tabletop RPG, like, magical and stuff i was listening a lot of um about a lot of uh, lo-fi and some anime stuff um uh, back then like some like nostalgia stuff like uh sacred card captured and this magical girl gender and stuff like that and i was like let's create a game about it but let's do it about uh hands that's the whole deal game like doing signs with your hands like it needs to be pretty cool like pretty like you, you're doing signs with your hands and casting magic, combining keywords, and you got like so. I, it's just not it. It's not just a clever magic system. I need to put something that makes the game have that that edge. And then I think like let's do a role for the, the DM. Like let let's make it a character into the, the universe. So is the thing like there is the guardian. So the game became like a whole metaphor about growing up with toxic figures and attractive toxic figures. And I grew up in a very uh, conservative space in a very, uh, uh, in, with uh, military schools and stuff like that. And I have a, a pretty bad relationship with, with uh, people trying to give orders to me. Like it's not something uh, 
conscious at all. It's not just like I get angry, and I, but I, I respect that thing that made sense. And then I make that figure for the the guardian, like the DM, that is the you are secretly in like showing your biased view of the world. You're secretly trying to get the players to go to the dark side, but you cannot say that because you are part of a bigger organization. You are a part of, of a whole world of magical stuff in that. And so as the game progresses, I put like this, this small rule that you you can sacrifice you can bound your fingers. Your character loses powers if you got all the fingers bounded because that's also your HP, your fingers. And as you deconstruct your prejudice about other player characters, you can start bounding the powers of one for another because it's that thing like once you, you need to deconstruct your own prejudice about yourself to after it you start deconstructing your view of others and then finally you can go to a transparent view of everything and that's when car characters do this like leveling up like they actually don't level up they strengthen their bounds and that's about it you can go to dark side you can like share that view of world or you can try to do something different by sharing your view of the world with that other people that were in the same situation as you. And Fingertips was like so, so, so amazing playtesting. was so fun because people took pictures because the hands were all dirty. They were like playing. I got like, I got, like pictures of people with uh, colorful bandages, like buying like Adventure Time um, and stickers and going to their fingers because they seal, they, their, their fingers were, were sealed and stuff like that. And it was just... Well, I was one of these games that I took a long time to really finish it, even if it's very minimalistic and small, because that I, it needed to be perfect at the game, and I'm very happy how that ended up. Well, sometimes those the simplest games are the most elegant and take the most time yeah. to kind of get to. And, you know, a lot of your games and just kind of concepts uh, are very, I guess what a lot of people are calling color, art punk. Uh, yeah, you know, very a art punky very art punk and uh can you just uh, the the document don't yeah don't can, uh, can, can i just read um a quote from that and yeah you can, get, can you i want to get i want to get your reaction from it after i say it immersion is only possible when agency exists everything else is everything else a player that believes his dm is changing the result behind the screen is not convict convicted that he does not actually exist your existence and the events of the game only exist in memory after and shared reality of the moment. If there is no choice to be made and no place to explore, you are only a listener, a reader, a spectator. You don't really exist. You consume. But as DM, what makes you play? Is it is the control of that reality or is the joy of the unknown? For me, to be ignorant of what lies ahead. I like to discover freedom to be wrong, freedom to freedom of anticlimax, freedom to not know how to answer a question, only to ask a player what they think is the answer. So very, uh, your games kind of have that feel to it. Now I just, yeah. how did you arrive at that? 
Yeah, so I thought up loud of, a lot about it because, as I said, like I have like a, a I had a, a childhood and and teenage years like I was very constricted about so much stuff, and I uh, later the, uh, when I discovered as an adult that I had ADHD and uh, dyslexic um, dyslexia and stuff like that, and I, I started realizing that I was thinking I was putting me in a place that I could not consume and act and stuff just because I was not allowed it. Like it was not just that I was allowed, it was giving myself an illusion of agency, illusion of freedom. And that was something that was striking me very hard when I got into OSR because that's a big talk of OSR. Like when you when we stop thinking about the the schools of thought of, of RPG, we can go to to big different ways of, of thinking about a game. The first one is to think about uh, mechanics as a way to achieve uh, a, a value, a, a immersion or something like that. Because in the end, we could somehow down to immersion to choice to really be in that fantasy world. But it's not just about it, it's, it's the game. It's, it's really, it's like, I can have immersion on playing Doom, even if I'm just playing Doom for shooting guys in the face like that. But I have the choice of going left or right, or shooting or, or dying, like it's all my fault. But sometimes, uh, like when you play on a, a, another game that you don't have a, uh, anything to choose, you 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 be lying to yourself. It is not a game, this other thing that I consume. I could read a book about it or something like that. But let's take back to the example like you have the mechanic that gives you agency that's uh that the mechanic that gives you narrative that gives you um the the, the place that you want to be and that would be more games like uh powered by the apocalypse a bit more some more uh rules heavy games like you can say that GURPS is something like it and the osr uh philosophy that we go most is that the mechanics are there to help us to achieve that agency and I really bounded with that idea but I didn't thought that the OSR games that I was playing really gave me that like was DD really giving me that was really the toolbox that I'm seeking or is just a toolbox but not the one that I'm seeking so I was listening to a lot of podcasts a lot of people talking about how they how they make the agents of the games better, how they make the immersion better and stuff like that. And that was all brewing in my head. And I was, like I said, I was in that time specifically that I was in this really, really boring job that I could just look at my hand the whole day. And I think, and by the end of the week, I would receive my salary. I would have my narrative about like what I was doing, but I didn't feel like I existed. I was having like a really bad time. I really like, and I was so frustrated because I, I already played some tabletop RPG tables that was basically that. I was there to to listen to the, the DM's fanfic about that universe or something like that. It was so frustrating for me because it's basically an authority saying, you're gonna listen, you're gonna do exactly as I told and you're gonna enjoy it. And I was like, no, I don't want that. I. I, I don't want. I don't even like like when I'm DMing a module, and the module say like, 
oh, at the time you do this testing specifically. Like, who the fuck are you to tell to tell me what you do? And then there was this this bullet point, this this, this stuff that broke, shattered my head. That was anti Sisyphus by Jared Sinclair. And anti Sisyphus is is something that I really recommend a lot of people. And Jared is really a a complex personality on the Twitter because some people really really like him, some people really hate him. I don't think there is a middle ground. And but there's something uh, that he said uh, on his book. He really talks a lot about it, like how what his agency, the game, the game design is is made to whom and stuff like that. And when I read it uh, the first time, it I even brought a physical copy of it because I think it was so, even if it was really fucking expensive to get it to Brazil, but it was so influential in my design back then that it, it don't only exist because I read uh, and had this, this shattered idea. And so I, I, I wrote don't, and I was like, I don't, I'm not gonna share it with anyone. I'm not gonna publish, I'm not gonna even talk about it with anyone. I'm just gonna throw it at each because that's that's the thing. It was a zine that was like, it's there, it's saying for you to not read. If you go there and you read it, you already doing your agency in your life, you're already existing. And and that is a real reflect of, of me when I say that uh, I really sometimes I, I drift away and I forgot that I exist. And I just do my daily job. I go go back to whatever I'm doing and I go to college. I write papers and stuff about, I don't know, about quality and stuff like that. But at that point, I'm not really doing choices. I'm doing what's presented in front of me. And when I wrote Don't, I was like, I want players. If, if, if someone actually played Don't, the game that is in, into the zine, I, I, I would think that would be such a boring game because that was a game that was, I, I even say that that was a game that's not made to be played, a game that should not be played because that game is be so fucking boring because it's a game about don't existing. And that game only happens. You can only make that game work, that message to be done if a player gets so bored that he does that thing that made me, in the first playtest of my first game, really stop everything and make, I don't want to play that anymore. Because at that point, I didn't want to, to know the know, to know where that that chaos would leave me. That I want to tell a story about cooks. And when I go back and write, don't, I, I, I stop and think, no, I would love to see where the fuck that guy who was a, 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 a living pudding trying to establish communism in a fantasy town would lead me because that would be a story to, to, to remember. <laughs> Not that my fucking playtest on my first game, that, I mean, that is cool. That would, would probably be cool, but that like that would be a much modern, much larger and cooler Easter, much premise that would live so much in my memory that I would never forget. And I was not giving me the chance of that. So don't is, is that point where I changed my view about playing tabletop RPGs. Is that is that bullet points that thing that separated the waters and everything oh, yeah. after it was influential by it. 
Well, when I read it, I thought, uh, you know, it was a fabulous document and I probably didn't do it justice reading it. So I'll, I'm going to put links to everything in the description below, but we probably have to move on to, I wanted to talk about your, the uh, RPG Lab Am Jam on itch. And uh, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about that because you have a lot of other creators that uh, you're friends with and, and, uh, and you guys got together and maybe you can just tell us how that kind of formed. Yeah. So me, uh, Lucas, uh, Thiago that died of COVID and uh, Bruno, we played every week at most uh, together with uh, Bruno's brother that was also uh, named Thiago and Tachi that we played like uh, Call of Cthulhu. We played like a whole lot of indie games, like almost every week we, we changed the game. We played, the last thing that we played was DCC and Lankmar, DCC in special way. And, and we are like all the time, like, oh, we are all creators in some sort. We should create something together. We should create something together. And uh, we are like, okay, let's create a game together. So we start doing meetings like in the middle of the week. So we gather ideas to create a game. And at some point we're like, we're not doing this with passion. We're not doing that because we have an idea and we are in love with it. We are doing it because we want to do that thing. And we are like, in another random talk, we are, we're like, oh, there's so much cool uh, Latin America games, like Brazilian games, mostly because that was what we are consuming. But it, there was like some really cool games that we were looking like. Uh, Duan's games, like the, uh, in which is Murder Hobo and uh, Joaquin Olo uh, games and stuff like that. We're like, oh, this, this, this stuff is like, sounds so cool. Why, there's, why we're, we keep creating so much games, so, so, like, so many games, and we don't uh, create content for other person's games because the, that other, their games are pretty fucking cool, pretty rad. So we, we should do a jam. Like even if just us make games for each other, we should do this jam because if someone else look this and think, yeah, that's cool, and, and does a game for anybody else, that's already a big win because these games deserve to have more content. And people, the people like to play hang-on games like me. I, I enjoy playing a different game every week. But when you, a game that you really love and we create content for it, it's like it's such a, a good feeling. And that is when I made the stuff for Trika because Trika is my favorite game ever. And when I created stuff for Trika, I was like, this was so easy, so fun. It's just so, so, it's so, so, it just brought me so much happiness that I could contribute to a game that I like that much. And we wanted to bring that feeling to many game designers from the Latin America community that create awesome stuff, but that stuff was not seen, was not created more stuff for it and et cetera. And uh, by the second day that we were sharing about the project, we got like so many people to join in, so many people to be interested in the Discord and stuff like that. And before we know it, we had a small community of people, creators creating awesome stuff for each other. And it, it lives after the, the jam. It's still, there still is the Discord that once in a while, some say, oh, look at this stuff that I create. Oh, can you help me doing, uh, I don't know, a proofreading because most of us don't speak English very well, very well, very well but like the, there is a big monetary value in publishing English and, and a bigger access. And we're like, oh, let's do proofreading. Or 
someone like is really good like does like a top-notch uh, module written module and stuff like that but doesn't know that much about design so we, we stop and give 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 tips to each other how to make our games look prettier and stuff like that and so much people from other communities helps us like people from from canada people from uh, um forgot the name of the countries in, in english but uh great britain and, and and stuff like that like people from asia like uh like even momentos did like such a great job helping us like uh rpgc was so inspiring to us we were like we want to do something like rpgc we want to do something like rpg because everything that rpgc does is so fucking awesome we feel like it's so empowering to us uh people that are not from the, the countries that the genres uh, originate or they, they mark, uh, but the countries that colonize us even. And like, when you see that kind of stuff, like it, it's, it, it, it hits deeper, you know? And um, when he did it and when you see that much cool stuff and really, I'm not even saying because I really like, I have an emotional connection to the the Latin American community, but the stuff that is is there is like, it's it is not just good, it's really good. Like even like the, the most simple of the entries is, is just like, no, this is great content. Like the, like there is the, the Into the Bronze adventure from the one that is like, is one of the prettiest adventures that I ever, uh, ever had my eyes, my eyes light upon. And there is stuff like uh, the 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 supplement for Backpack and Dream that Lucas did for Backpack and Dream is my game. Uh, it, it was like that is so interesting, so different than everything that I ever seen to this point. And stuff like there is the hack for Lucas game that was to make mechas, like is the to make forgotten war machines and the vibe of it was just so cool, like a two pages game, but so evocative and so cool. And I was like, I was so glad, I was so happy. And it was really, really an amazing experience, the, the Latin gem and everything that happened with it. And your use of itch, like, uh, I mean, I when I got back into like learning about uh, tabletop role-playing games and I had taken quite a bit of break before OSR kind of drew me back in. And when I look at like drive-through RPG, great site a lot of people use it but you've really taken to itch and the group that you collaborate yeah. with are really on itch and i i'm fascinated with itch i i love the whole idea and the concept of it and the ability to have jams how do, are you only on itch right now or is that yeah. your main yeah right now i publish everything that i do on itch I also got on a Brazilian store that's called Dungeonist. I got some stuff right there, like like the one of the versions of Minimum, some adventures that's only released in Portuguese and stuff like that. I even got an, an old school system uh, agnostic adventure that I probably gonna translate it to English at some time. As I need to translate some English games to Portuguese and vice versa. But um, I'm mostly on each and. I even thought about going to drive-through RPG because drive-through RPG is obviously a lot bigger, and it, it actually generates a lot more money than than each. Uh, it was like having print-on-demand options and stuff like that is pretty great. But the community of each is so fucking amazing. It's, it I cannot even start to talk about it because drive-through feels like that everybody got its own store. 
and you'll be selling stuff and, and people will be sometimes will be very mean i mean i look at, at comments of fellow designers from brazil and people are like taking very heavily on, on, on stuff that's and then not even brought the game like like they look at the previews and i was like I'm not, I don't feel comfortable making part of this. And each people are, are, are so experimental. They are already expecting weird stuff. They are already ex expecting uh, people to do amateur stuff and expecting them to break their expectations about the things. And so I feel so much at home at each. And I think that uh, something that I know that a lot of fellow other creators also think because when I, I go to talk about uh, people when where they want to, to publish their projects and stuff like that and drive through rpg usability is, is basically trash terrible you want to publish a game right there you need to stop and study how to do it. it's like it's basically a legacy system and i have tested a lot of legacy systems like that's my whole internship uh, life was basically testing uh, government uh, uh, legacy systems and Ichi is not that much per not perfect but it gives you that will to that that space to to create even the page for each game to make everything look like kind of the way that you want and you're, you're in control in itch yeah like you're you, in control you, that's the thing you have the ability to do whatever you want whenever you want yeah and uh, it, I find it just fascinating I, I love the platform and I'm sure over time it's just going to continue to grow yeah. because it it just seems and to gems. offer so much yeah gems are are the shits are amazing there are always something very cool happening and people really like take the gems as an opportunity to really exercise their their uh, game designing uh impulses and wheels and create like many small little stuff uh lots of stuff of trike uh, and, and other uh, games i think that people that don't are that much into game design they really put they they their head out and publish the stuff not even they are not sure about it because it really drags them to that like it has that blog feel like the most yeah. punk zine feel it's accessible to everybody and uh, the yeah. barrier to entry isn't there. So they they feel enabled to be able to create, which is a great thing in the uh, design community. And yeah. and I know we're uh, probably at our limit here, but before we go, I just want to talk about what do you got on the plate? What's coming up? And a, a bigger question for you that you can lead into at the end of where do you, where do you want to be in the next couple of years? Like yeah. what's your, what's your goals for your game design? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been for quite a while playing around with exploration, hex and stuff like that, because I, I like so much. I'm the kind of person that plays video games and just goes walking, taking screenshots and never share most of the screenshots with anyone because I just like feeling inside um, different worlds and like 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 playing like games like Death Stranding and being like, this is a hiking simulator. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Thanks God that's a hiking simulator because that's what I wanted to play. And uh, I saw I developed a backpacking dream uh, quite fun. I actually developed a lot of games that kind of boiled down to backpacking dream. And that is a rule set that was actually not meant to be released separately. I'm working in a very big project that's taking so much of my head all the time. But someday it's gonna get there. Probably I don't know if you, even it's gonna get there like five years in the future, but probably less, a lot less. But I'm, I'm working on a game called Andarilha, 
And it's a game that reflects my feelings when I got like in the start of the pandemic, like I was trying to reconnect with my culture in Brazil and also playing a lot of tabletop RPGs and have that feeling of isolation and also fear of going outside. So it's a game about hex roll, but it uses that uh, basis of rule set back, back in Dream where you, your character doesn't grow uh, within, it doesn't grow um, from its own experiences. I'm, I'm cre even creating a, a system of uh, abilities like tricle, like you more you use an ability, more you grow that, but that's not the focus. The focus is that your character, it grows every time it makes a bound to someone in this world. It's a world that people don't, don't, don't share thoughts with each other, don't talk with each other, like there are small communities shattered among uh, a, a Brazil wasteland, like a very, very far in the future Brazil. And there is a, a classic, uh, I think the music of a poem, I, I kind of forgot right now, but it says that the, the sea will turn into, into Sertão, uh, which is, I think is like, uh, Marshlands like a, like he something like Mojave there's, there's like something arid land something like that, and that will turn to sea and that uh, I, in the start of of uh, last year you got like the Amazon uh, forest forest fires, and I was I was thinking in this world is like the Amazon forest turned to ash and the seas turned to desert, and people kind of travels like kind of like doom in certain field but i'm putting like all my weird ideas into it like everything everything i'm looking to myself and putting that on paper like like that that's the most explicit i can get into my psyche without being direct about it like it, it like troika for example it has 36 backgrounds like each one having like a little small thing, but also like other my games is not about the DM telling a mystery. It's about players creating together the world. So I went back and said about Perlow's Wilds, how players created the map and the hex crawling. It has that elements. For example, every background has a thing that he knows about that world more than even the DM. So an example is the Emperor of Hearts, like the King of Hearts actually, because based on the, the card. And he's uh, he was also a member of the empire. He wears a, a, a steel mask, a steel mask that deforms his face and profanes his ancestry. So it's usually uh, like you, if you take some indigenous people and put a mask of iron of of uh, indigenous god, but you are actually serving for the colonizer. You're serving for that bigger evil into uh, between. Um, the quotes and you your body is deformed but you you leave your armor behind you learn to forget the hatred in your heart about it and your heart now beats in a different rhythm so every time you're gonna talk about the empire you live that you made part of the empire so every time the characters, and that's a big thing on Hexroll when you rest, that's like every Hexroll based game, you're gonna do a big deal on rest, like what you what you can do, what you recover. I go, in this game I go like, you can get three points to share any of your uh, your resources to recover. But the, deal, the, 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 the big deal is when you're doing a meal, around the fire, you're gonna tell a truth about that word, about that specific thing that you know that you manage it 
to, to, to have the complete knowledge over everyone. And that becomes a truth about the world. And that's how the game goes. I'm, I'm, I'm building the game, how you can balance like mechanics and narrative into experience that can feel like a lot about what is to live in Brazil in, uh, in these daring times, but also what, what is the, the amazing thing about our culture? Because when we think about Brazil, we think a lot about the bigger picture. Like we think about carnival, about parties, about uh, the, the our cultural mix, but we're not thinking about the little small things that really makes we know that that's a brilliant thing. Like going to the the a bar on like the front of your house and sitting on a table and asking for a cup of coffee and that cup of coffee be served in a glass cup, flaming hot and it's, it's already flaming hot outside and you you leave your hand like you look at uh, outside everybody's like doing shit everybody like is suffering every day to do the to have the bare minimum to survive but they are joking around it because that's the the rule of thumb around here is like if are you are you gonna laugh or you're gonna cry about it so better laugh and so it has that intrinsical comedy about it so at the same time you you got like this uh this character that's deeply uh, have this deeply traumatic past about him, he also gonna be enjoying that flaming cu uh, cup of coffee, and he gonna lay his hand by the sidewalk and walk up, people passing by in a, a, a caramel colored dog gonna lick his hand, and he's gonna create a bond with that dog. And that dog, if you, if you evolve that bond with that dog, that dog can have a, a skill. That, that we'll share with you, like you, he gonna, you can, he's all about arguing with the DM, so you, you can argue that the dog has learned his mail and he can always find you, and that's a bound. You're gonna write that on your sheet, and your sheet, and you're gonna say, that's my bound with the dog that I named it Carlitos, and he, he's gonna always find me no matter what. And that's about the game that creating little bounds, bounding communities, and delivering messages, and in the combat is really, really little because if you're gonna get to the point that you're gonna draw a sword to someone, it's because you're gonna sure that you're gonna kill it and that weight is gonna be on you. And if you kill someone, you're probably gonna get a negative bound with that community. And the game is all about that little strings, that wow. little ropes that connect everybody together. Well, it sounds absolutely amazing. And we look forward to seeing that come to fruition. And uh, where can people uh, find more about your upcoming projects? Uh, Twitter, on itch? Yeah, Twitter, go on Twitter, follow me on itch because you're going to get a notification wherever I release anything. But I'm mostly, right now, I'm mostly doing uh, freelance work. I'm doing the layout for Have You Heard About the Beast from uh, Matt Sanders from Slated Library. And um, I'm probably doing more uh, freelance stuff uh, instead of working on my games because, well, money living but if you want me to do layout i mostly do layout nowadays i also play tests also do uh, i can also review I, I love to read people's stuff and and have my opinion on it if you want to to uh, want help with anything you can hit a dm with me on twitter i'd be glad to help and if you want to talk and stuff uh, twitter is the point I'm, I'm twitter like almost all day i got like I work at home, I got like two screen PC, one's on Twitter, one's on my job. So I'll probably be there to talk with anybody that is interested. 
Well, I, I appreciate you joining us today and sharing a little bit about your history and your upcoming projects and your philosophy on game design. And I really appreciate your time today and we'll make sure all the details are in the show notes. So uh, thank you for joining us and uh, we will see you on itch. Yeah, thanks.